What is going on, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Rad Podcast. My name is Chad, and this week we were joined by Brian Kotcher of the band Taller Tales. So, Taller Tales is a three-piece alternative rock band based out of Baltimore, Maryland, and Brian is the lead singer, and it was an absolute blast talking to him because we got to talk kind of funny. We were going to talk a lot more about their brand new EP, which is fantastic, and we did talk about it, so don't worry. You're going to hear a little bit about the EP, hear about some of the cool stuff, talk about some of our favorite songs. But uh, we actually got to cover a lot more of kind of the emotional and kind of the the additional thoughts because Brian kind of, as you'll hear in the podcast, recently went through kind of an epiphany moment of realizing what meant a lot to him in terms of music. And it was really cool. And so I'm excited for you guys to hear about this. And uh, you, as you always know, before we jump in, I always want you guys to swing on over give Brian a, you know, give him a, Hey, thanks for joining the podcast, but also give the band a follow, a like, send some love their way. Listen to the new EP, save it on, you know, Spotify, Apple music, buy it on iTunes, preferably buy it because it'll support the band. But anyway, while you're at it, just swing on over to the podcast, like follow, share. If you enjoy, please share. It means the world to me. But anyway, without further ado, let's just jump right on in. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and, uh, welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I really dude. appreciate it. Heck yeah. So, uh, so I always like to kind of, you know, um, do a just open introduction in terms of who you are. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, uh, I'm Brian. Um, I'm the lead singer of Taller Tales. Um, we're a trio band from Baltimore. Um, we've been gigging together for about like two and a half years, I would say. So, uh, we just released our first music, like our first record that we've ever done together, um, October 18th. So that's like fresh out and that's pretty much what we've been up to just gigging around Baltimore and DC. That's awesome, man. So, uh, so two and a half years y'all have been making, I guess, uh, working together in terms of music. So, uh, I guess with that, um, this is the, this is the first full release. Is that what's going on? It's an EP. Yeah. It's six songs. So yeah. we had six songs. We had a couple from, uh, we've had a couple uh, singles released before that. Yeah. And that's and what I was first, noticing. Like, collection of songs that we've actually put together. Got yeah. it. Okay. I was like, I noticed some songs that were released prior to the EP, but that makes more sense. Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, so kind of, how did, uh, how did things get started with the band? So two and a half years, obviously you guys have been jamming out, writing music, kind of making music together, I guess. But, uh, how did things get started? Yeah. So I've been writing for forever and, uh, it started out with me and our bassist Dylan, who actually started out as a guitarist. So him and I would jam together just acoustically and like write together probably about three years ago. Um, and then we decided we wanted to like, you know, maybe start gigging together, just doing like open mics and just small stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Just to like test stuff out. And then one night in the middle of the night, I'm, I'm laying in bed and I like bolt up at like 1230 and <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing enough. I need to put a 
band together. Am I allowed to cuss? Am I allowed to? <laughs> you <laughs> you say that. You do you, man. I uh, okay. <laughs> I I want to make sure it's authentic. You know. <laughs> okay. Well, I, that that happens a lot, so <laughs> I apologize in advance. No, you're uh, good. But uh, so I bolt up right, and I'm like, I need a drummer. Like, we need to find a drummer. So I go on Craigslist, and I look, and the first person I see. Guy says, you know, I haven't played in two years, but I'm looking to like play a band and I don't want to be in any like hardcore, like post rock bands. Yeah. And I was like, cool. Cause that is not us. So <laughs> uh, I sent him a message and he sent me back a message the next day. And it turns out that was our drummer, Matt. What had happened was that night he got really drunk and he hadn't played in two years and he got together with like his, his family and he played his kit for the first time um, in a while and then got drunk and posted on Craigslist just randomly. Uh, <laughs> and like having met him afterwards, I'm surprised this is something he ever did. It's completely out of his character. Um, but it was like serendipity. We found each other at that time and we've been all, we've been a trio ever since. That's super cool, man. So, yeah. uh, so obviously it, it sounded like there was a, there had been some pasts with, uh, you know, post hardcore or hard rock bands or whatever. So, uh, so I guess had all of you kind of had that type of background prior to this or was it just kind of you guys were, were really into a certain genre? How did how did you guys kind of come about in terms of style? Yeah, so we've uh, I mean, I grew up like through high school and stuff listening to like, you know, a day to remember and Paramore and even some harder hardcore bands like the ghost inside in Texas in July and all that. Yeah. But I never like that was never part of my writing style. Um so, I mean, but there's a lot of hardcore bands in Maryland. Like this has yeah. always been like a pretty big hardcore scene. Yeah. And so when you go on Craigslist to find people, cause we had been looking for another guitarist at one point, I mean, it's like 90% hardcore, which is awesome, but it's really difficult to find anything outside of that. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> that makes sense. kind of played to what's kept us a trio and now yeah. we love being a trio and it's like kind of part of the aesthetic. So, yeah. Um, but in terms of style, I mean, like you said, you saw that we've had a couple singles out before the CP. We just started writing together and just kind of trying different styles out. So like Deja Vu was the first song that we ever put out and that's like a pop rock track. Yeah. Um, and it sounds similar to a couple things on, on the EP, like the river and uh, lay down and die a little bit. Um, but then we had songs like the wall and let me in that we put out to try kind of like a darker side, a little bit more like, um, uh, like alt rock kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up loving that kind of feel too. So we, then we blended the two and that's what turned into Calorama is the, fr the whole front half of that record is like very pop forward, like pop, pop yep, rock for sure. And then the back half is like alt rock until you're getting to like, uh, the wire and comfort are, uh, so much deeper in terms of like content, lyrical content, like honesty from like a place that, you know, from like a real life experiences as opposed to just, you know, writing like a fun jam rock song and yeah. like best day or lay down and die. Yeah, that's cool. So I guess with, uh, with kind of the releasing of the singles was for, uh, for you guys, as you were writing the music, releasing it, what were some of the, the motivations or what were the things that, that made you decide, okay, this is, this is where we like to go. This is maybe less where we like to go. Cause obviously you know, you were saying, you know, we, you tested, you were testing the waters a lot. And so how are you guys making up your decisions in terms of, of that direction? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a background. I, when I, when I, when we were putting the band together, my initial like vision for it, cause I do, the, the guys are great about like letting me just kind of like run with like a creative vision that I have 90% of the time. And yeah. initially it, we were kind of more of like a pop 
rock band, kind of more like a walk the moon type of like young, the gianty feel yeah. of things. Um, but that was not, you know, Matt or Dylan's backgrounds at all. Dylan's background was very like jazz based and Matt's background was all pop punk. Okay. And so, you know, taking into account like their backgrounds and like their inspirations kind of changed that entire modality of writing for me and kind of pushed me into a new, uh, like a new place to have to write from. And it yeah. was awesome. I, and I've loved writing from there. It's made me sing completely different. It's made me play guitar all completely different. And it's making some of the best music that I've ever written um, just because of meeting those guys. Yeah, that's that's super rad. I just I, I'm always curious because obviously like that writing process, it evolves over time and, and you know, your environment will will uh, affect it and, and alter it. Right. And so that's why I was curious because um i think uh i think something that that people unfortunately don't give bands enough flexibility to do is allow their creativity to to uh i guess evolve you know <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's why the singles platform is really the the way that we like to do it uh calorama was fun to do just to get an, a lot of content out there but the yeah. plan now is to put out a song like every six weeks okay and that's just awesome keep, and just not and just say genre and just do whatever we enjoy doing at the time like the next set of songs that we've got like in the works are even more exciting to me in a lot of ways because um they're so much more like authentic in terms of like their content of what they're actually about and where they're coming from as opposed yeah. to just trying to write good songs. Yeah. It's more so just writing what you, what you feel, which I mean, sounds like duh, like no duh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to do. Cause you get caught in the, you get caught in the spiral of trying to write good songs and then you end up not writing authentically. And then yeah. it, it, it does eventually catch up to where you're like, you know, I feel like I could actually be bringing out a little bit more of myself in these songs or else yeah. what's the point. Yeah, for sure. So I think uh, a question that stems from that is how do you balance that? Because obviously, you know, authentic is is honestly my favorite thing is to hear someone who's being authentically them. Right. Like someone who who's genuinely producing something that they're passionate about. But uh, there is obviously the the fact that that to be a band, you know, you need an audience, you need you need to to write things that also appeal to to other people and so how do you balance that authenticity what with being able to write something that um what what did you say you said you know good music i i think obviously authenticity usually creates good music but uh but how do you balance that in your writing process yeah um i mean to to begin it was difficult because when we got together we were so excited to be writing music together and we wanted people to hear what we were writing um and you want people to like it, obviously. Yeah. And it's really easy to fall in the trap of wanting people to like the music more than just enjoying writing the music in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an incredibly hard thing to get around until I kind of had an epiphany moment where with it where I was blocked. I felt blocked by I felt like I was I just felt like this energy build up in me where I was like getting depressed and anxious a lot. And it was because I wasn't I was so stressed out about writing uh, good songs and, you know, the business side of, of music, you know, trying to make sure that you're promoting correctly and getting everything online and your socials look good. And that's just not ever been part of who I am personally. And yeah. the guys feel the same way. So we, I completely overhauled our writing style. We pulled some things that we had and just started fresh and 
from that place came songs like The Wire and came songs like Blood or uh, Comfort and songs that are coming up after this EP. And yeah. I mean, the choice that we the choice that we eventually made was good songs like we will write what feels authentic and what actually feels like it's coming from a place of um like purity as opposed to like pandering yeah and i i mean like i said i think that's that's super important because ultimately the longer that you are writing music that's authentic to you the better it becomes obviously and then also you know i uh i reference a quote that uh you know i reference it all the time is basically if you write for for everyone you write to no one and if you write for one person yourself you write for everyone right and exactly. uh, and i think yeah. that i think that shines through in music and so i guess with uh with kind of the process that you've been following two and a half years how how have you guys um how has that evolution happened like um obviously you said it started out writing out writing you know just focusing and stressing so much about writing good quote unquote good songs. Um, but, uh, but how has that process evolved into, into a more natural process? Like what makes it more natural now? Well, like I said, I kind of had an epiphany moment and I don't know how deep you like to get on, uh, on your podcast, but I had a, essentially what was like a spiritual awakening moment where I was, I was so down. I mean, I don't really know how to explain it. I was just so depressed for lack of a better word. I just felt like nothing I was doing was really fulfilling any kind of part of my soul. Yeah. I just felt like I was just writing to write. I was, and exactly like you said, I felt like I was writing for no one. And I felt like I, there was so much of what, you know, so much of experience and so much of this, you know, trauma for lack of a better word that I wanted to get out and just wasn't. And so I wrote a song actually under a different band um, on just under, on just under a pseudonym yeah, called Magic yeah. and Madness. I put a song out called I See You, which is about, you know, not being seen and that what, yeah. that what that feels like to feel like you're more than what people see you as or more than the roles that we play every yeah. day to each other. You know, you go to work and, you, you know, it's the same conversation you have with somebody you know, 50 times a week. It's this, and it's the same people too. It's almost yep. like you say hi to these people and you talk to people and you have no idea who they are. At all. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You really don't see anybody and they don't see you either. And that's incredibly lonely. Yeah. And so the, now the writing is kind of coming from that place of shedding off that layer of the role and kind of just being as authentically us as possible. And it's been incredibly liberating. See, that's, that's cool. I, I, I know obviously that question was slightly redundant um, to the first one, but it, it kind of, I, I feel like that, that makes more sense. Like, like that, uh, you know, almost, almost the, the cocoon to the butterfly type effect, right. Where, where you, you feel so enclosed, but now you're, you're basically, you're, you're able to see how great or what greatness can be because you've seen how, lonely it can be so that's i like that perspective i think that's awesome because i um i recently finished a book all about vulnerability and all about like um it's 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 a book called daring greatly by a lady named Brene brown and it's like it's so interesting because a lot of things you just talked about are are the reason why so many people choose not to try or choose not to express is because of the fact that 
it's easy to have those conversations that are super surface level, right? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, like you said, it's a vulnerability thing. Yeah. And it's also a not knowing. I mean, I think so many people just don't know who they are either. They've never gotten the chance to really go inward like that. And there's really no teacher like trauma. Yeah. For that kind of a thing. It kind of, once you hit bottom and you realize you're still here, like, that is a really good teacher for who you really are. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough teacher. I mean, that's a that's the school of hard knocks, but it's it's the best way to learn. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to send me that book. I'd love to read it. Oh yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I I'm a huge fan of reading and and uh, Brene Brown. She's just a she's a genius. She actually has a special on Netflix right now that I think everyone should watch. But uh, um, I think it's called Courage, Call to Courage, or something like that. But uh, um, but yeah, anyway, like. The the idea to me is from I'm kind of reading in between the lines is is that, you know, you finally you finally just said, screw it. I I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm going to write what I care about and what matters to me. And I'm assuming that as soon as you had that epiphany moment and you started changing and you you, you took that action and, and started writing the new music the band is, is the band basically brand new, you know, completely new to you guys now? Is it like almost like a, a completely different, um, entity, I guess. Not really, which is, that's uh, interesting. Great in a lot of ways, because it doesn't feel like, uh, it doesn't feel like this brand new thing. It's not about, it doesn't really feel like it's discovering something new. It feels like it's discovering something that was always there. Awesome. And Explain that a little bit more. I, I, I think I get it, but I, I and I think that's awesome. But I want to I want to kind of dive a little deeper into that. Yeah, definitely. I'm just going to try to explain it as best as I can. So no, I to totally understand so it. Hard, some so things are some things just are hard to, to actually put into words. But, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, uh, the whole process of going inward like that and kind of like releasing the roles that you play and the stress that you have in your life and like all the perceived problems that you have and realizing that everything that happens is really a neutral event and the way that it's perceived good or bad is I mean people say that all the time it's perception but it's really deeper than that it's everything to do with who you think you are like past present and future and all the relationships you have and the trauma that you've had in your past versus not it accounts for your entire perception there. Oh yeah. And all for sure. of that accounts for who you think you are. It's yep. your idea of yourself. Mm -hmm. But you know, when all that comes crumbling down, what's left and what's left is you still, you still exist. If everything in your life were to disappear, you would still exist. Yeah. And that's kind of what it feels like in the music aspect of it too, with the band is that you strip away all the surface layer stuff. You strip away all the stuff you thought it was and you realize what it actually is. Okay. And then you can write from a place of authenticity because you can't be anything else. There's no more bullshit over top of it. Yeah. There's no more role to play. It's just what feels the most expressive. Okay. Which sounds super artsy. I feel like. No, like I, honestly, so like, aware. well, that's the magic. Like, honestly, I, so another book I recently read, so I've, I, my wife makes fun of me. She's, she's like, you just have too much time. And then, like, I commute every day to work and I go to the gym. And I'm just constantly listening to audiobooks, but uh, I recently listened to a book called 10% Happier, which is basically all the things that you were talking about just barely. And the whole book is about meditation, right? And so I've started meditating in the morning and That's stuff. Awesome. And, uh, and it's true. It's, it's really being mindful of, of who you are, where you're at, what you're doing, and, and just being aware, right? 
And I think that's really cool putting it in the aspect of, of a band because there's, there's kind of a life there, right? It's, it's you three guys who are, are a team creating something that's bigger than three guys, right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's like you said, the authenticity in the music is what really pulls people. I mean, you can write a really good song about nothing. I mean, uh, Red Solo Cup is a terrible song, but it's a good song. It did, <laughs> it, it did really well. Yeah, it did really well. Um, but I mean, there's a reason people are really, you know, enamored with these bigger artists like uh, like Billie Eilish and Post Malone is because you can feel the difference. They're not like you know, their styles may be different, but they're not wildly different than any other artist. You could yeah. find a million artists like that, but it's the, how they're doing it and where it's coming from is so real and so authentic Yeah, uh, that it just resonates on a level that you can't even really comprehend. And I mean, that's why Post Malone has 60 million monthly listeners Yep, is because now it's out there and yeah. you can hear it in his music. And I wasn't a fan either. And I went and listened to his new album. Like I was just like, ah, Post Malone, he's another, you know, trap guy That's yeah <laughs> i went and listened to the new album and i was blown i was blown away i was blown away by it and i'm not into that kind of stuff at all but yeah. i was blown away by it and i had the same kind of experience with with billy eilish and i'm not like huge into the the pop stuff just because of you know i have to break my own idea that like all pop music is just like factory music. <laughs> it's hard it's hard to, it's not, to break that yeah it's really not and some of it is really good yeah uh, I was on a big Demi Lovato kick and Selena Gomez's new song is <laughs> just like breaking my heart every time I hear it. It's yeah, amazing. dude, I actually really like I think Demi Lovato is one of the one of the top notch. And it's it's kind of funny because like a lot of these musicians, you hear about them in the past. And they're like scene kids like big into like I, I think uh, Demi Lovato was a, her favorite band was Devil Wears Prada. And so it's kind of funny to see oh, awesome. to see that, you know, like obviously where she's come and like the music she makes, how it's so different than the quote unquote scene that that she was a part of. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Her earlier stuff had a little bit of like a rock element to it. Didn't yeah. It? I mean, I know, I yeah. know it was all pop. No, my sister, like the- my sister was obsessed with uh, with Demi Lovato and my wife back when she was in high school was like camp rock was like one of her favorite movies and so you know she actually she actually went and saw the jonas brothers yeah she actually went and saw the jonas brothers in concert my wife did and she's like she's like you know what i may have i may be 29 and i may have been way too old to be there but guess what it was one of the coolest concerts of my whole life and i was like i'm glad you went (laughs) that's awesome that's incredible yeah but it's it's true like there's there are so many, so many good bands and so much good music out there, even though it may be mainstream pop music, there's still a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, authenticity there. You just have to kind of sift through a lot of, um, mumbling, mumble rapping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a genre, there's a genre for everybody. If it speaks to you, it speaks to you. Yeah, for um, sure. I've noticed like even in myself, you know, in the past that, you know, as an artist, you kind of end up thinking like anything that's mainstream that whole mainstream mentality of like oh it must be bad because people like it you know what I mean or it's like (laughs) or it's being shoved down our throats but it's really just I mean I noticed for myself it was really just envy like everybody else's oh yeah I want my I want my music to do that well that's awesome that theirs is doing that well but I hate it yeah so yeah um and you know letting go of that then you can really start to connect with 
you know, some of those messages that are there, like we were talking about the Demi Lovato songs, all her shit authentic too. She's talking about the darkest stuff in her life. Oh, I mean, she's gone through some crap, man. And she's, yeah, she's she like has. completely vulnerable, vulnerable about it with her music. And it's like, I mean, that's hard. That's hard to do to just put it all out there. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the reason we could even know about that, like she probably, she has no idea that we probably, I don't even know. I said she has no idea that we exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. We know all about, those struggles and their human struggles. And so it's incredibly relatable. Exactly, man. That's it. And it's, I think that's, there's, there's a lot of power to that. And so I'm kind of pulling it back to, to you guys, you know, with, with taller tales, like you guys, I guess you, you have this epiphany and, and you guys start to, to kind of, I, I guess live to, to the, the, the true forms of yourselves, right? The true form of your band, what you had basically started and, and kind of hid away at the beginning, just writing stuff that could be quote unquote good. Um, so with, with the new EP, I want to kind of jump into that. Obviously I'm assuming that a lot of the EP or at least portions of the EP came as a result of this, this kind of epiphany moment. And, uh, and so I want to kind of jump into that and talk a little bit about the EP here for a bit. Yeah, definitely. So um, first off, I know typically the, the buildup and the, the lead time to this is, is pretty long. So how long have y'all been working on the EP? Um, we've had lay down and die for about two years. Okay. Um, we worked on the EP for about, I would say it was probably nine months to get it. Okay. To get it out. So it wasn't a super long time and was nice. We worked with Rad Pop. It came out through Rad Pop Records and um, Neil, our rep through Rad Pop and the owner of Rad Pop is, you know, incredibly helpful. And he That's did pretty awesome. much everything to get the business side stuff done. Cause I've, you know, like I said, I have a large like distaste for doing all that <laughs> stuff. It's just incredibly time consuming. You it really is. It, but it's incredibly time consuming. So it's really nice when someone else does it for you. Yeah. That's that's the magic of of a record label. I get really that's the reason for a record label ultimately. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the landscape has changed so much now between what labels used to do and could do for artists versus what artists can do for themselves too. Yeah, now. and that's I I mean that's a whole other conversation too. Is oh yeah, is that you know like there's some bands out there like um I don't know if you listen to any pop punk at all still, but like Water Parks, um what they've accomplished as just i mean obviously they have a big label now too but they also i mean they just built a following of people who just love them as individuals and it's like man that's i mean they're they're icons to a lot of these little kids and it's pretty amazing what they've accomplished too so um yeah i mean the internet changes the entire game oh yeah it's and uh, since you're not making money off of albums anymore and you're making money off of building a brand and you yeah. can build a brand yourself now, which is exactly, great. I mean, then you don't have to give up your masters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean like that's, that was the other thing too, is like other bands. I didn't, I followed the bands prior to knowing that the lead singers were, were doing like YouTube and stuff, but like Patty from, uh, as it is. And, uh, um, I don't recall his name from story untold. These guys, like apparently they were huge YouTube sensations with millions of followers. And I was like, I had no idea that i mean that changes everything but uh, but anyway so so with the uh, with the ep um how did you guys um was it kind of like hey these are the songs we're going to put on it let's just move forward or, or did you guys kind of sift through 
a big pool of songs that you were choosing to put on it. How did you guys decide what, what would make the cut? So we had a, we had lay down and die. Like I said, for a couple of years, that was the only song that I didn't write with the band. Okay. Um, Just solo. You wrote it. That was a solo song. So I started, I wrote that song with Matt Squire, um, at Buzz Lounge studio a couple of years ago. Um, and that was going to be just for a solo project. It was just because I had had that set up. Like I'd had a setup uh, time in the studio with him since before the band got together. Okay. And then once the song came out, like once it was done, I was like, this is, this is a really cool song. Like this is like a top 40 ish kind of sounding song with like real instrumentation. Like I get to actually play the guitar in it. And I was like, this would work really well for what Taller Tales is looking to do at this yeah. point. That one's so kind of got like the super long time. That's the one that has the kind of uh, almost like vibe of Western vibe to it at yeah. times. Okay. Oh, yeah. I fucking love that song. It's <laughs> sick. We wrote that song in like a half hour. I had like the guitar riff and everything and I had a song written and then, you know, Matt and I workshopped it until it was this like, you know, top 40 like western rustic yeah like ballad yeah this driving pop beat that just that four on the floor pop beat that just gets your head bopping yeah and, and it's the, and the lyrics are fantastic that that's one definitely one of my favorite songs on the record we've been getting yeah. a lot of praise on that one from people that have been checking them out yeah it's so cool because it it does combine two worlds that typically don't collide and uh it's pretty cool the way that that song came out so so now I know I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I know which songs you're talking about as you talk about them. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now one of my stipulations was like, we have to have real instruments in these songs because I don't want to just do it completely digitally. I love playing the guitar. And uh, I remember uh, uh, Matt went uh, Matt went off and I was working with Eric, who was working uh, Eric Taft, who owns Buzz Lounge and was working with him at the time. And we tracked the solo while Matt was gone and then came back. And, you know, the solo in that is like this, you know, hammy stevie ray vonny kind of thing yeah, at the yep. and then he comes back he's like oh is that what we're going with and i was like uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, was like, right, cool. I, I mean i'm sure he would have liked something a little bit more pop accessible and more hooky but yeah <laughs> i mean i grew up on all the same guitar greats that everyone else did so yeah for try sure to play like them exactly i mean whenever you have an opportunity man use it you know <laughs> yeah and it's such a fun instrument so so i think that's actually kind of a um a left turn from a lot of a lot of pop bands or a lot of bands that are are making music nowadays is the the motivation or the drive to keep everything with analog in terms of actual instruments and not sampling everything um so what what is it that that drives that specifically for you? Well, I think it drove it more for me back then too. part of the uh, like I said, kind of part of the like epiphany moment was kind of doing away with an idea that music has to be done any kind of way. And so, sense. I mean, that's changed a lot of the way that I write and it changed a lot of the way that our instrumentation is, too. I mean, you can make a song in your bedroom now you can make like a hit song in your bedroom with minimal equipment just yeah. using samples and using virtual instruments yeah and that's I mean, amazing so why the fuck not yeah <laughs> that's exactly an amazing thing to be able to do that means anybody can make what they feel in an instant and put it out to the world i yeah. mean who that, you know that's it's just such a good time for for indie musicians to be able to do that yeah so i mean old town road right like just just sample a nine inch nails song and hit the 
longest streak of music. I don't remember what how many records he's broken with that song, but <laughs> I don't know either, but that's pretty good for like an under two minute song. Yeah. He like crushed it. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize, so I, I'm not a huge like f- listener of, of nine inch nails. I, I can appreciate the amount of amazing that they've done for the music world. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I found out recently that literally the whole, the whole verse portion of that old town road is just a sample, like sampling of a nine inch nail song. And like, it's literally like cut and paste. <laughs> it's pretty, I had no idea. Yeah. I had heard, I had heard or read somewhere that he paid to get the beat made. So I guess whoever did that, put that together or did he do it himself? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that, uh, that the sample that was used was uh what what song was it i have to i would have to look it up but it was uh nine inch nails he they did like they did a uh kind of uh i don't know almost ambient slash like experimental type record um i think it was called ghosts yeah ghosts is the name of the the record in 2008 and uh track 34 i know it's insane they've got 34 tracks um but uh but track 34 on the on that record is if you turn it on it's literally the exact same guitar exact same like sound as that song so <laughs> but that that Damn. goes to the the point of of you know you can sample something and and create it in your room and and just create something that everyone loves and resonates to cuz like like you and me we didn't know that nine inch nails had even written that song, but now everyone knows the sound of that song. <laughs> yeah. It found its way out. Exactly. It just wanted to get out there and it found its way. Exactly. And I mean, that's the world we live in. I think that's magical. And I think that that plays to what you were talking about, you know, that it, it music doesn't have to be done any specific way anymore. And was that kind of part of the epiphany for you or, or like the idea that, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself. You don't have to paint yourself into a corner when it comes to your writing process. Yeah. Um, it kind of turned from, you know, writing for others into not even writing for me either, just writing in general, just like yeah. whatever I felt at the time, whatever melody I felt come out, what I'll do a lot of the time when I write now is I'll just, I'll just open up a session in logic and I'll just pull up a synth or I'll pull up some kind of pad and or the pull out the guitar and I'll just play something. I'll just yeah. play a note, play a couple notes, and that'll evolve into pretty much every song that we've <laughs> written since then. So uh, that's so cool. It's fun because it's entirely improvisational and uh, it's just a lot of fun to write that way because you don't know which way it's going to go and it can go so many different ways. Yeah. And I guess is that the the typical process that you follow when uh, when it comes to to writing your songs is it always start with kind of a uh, a underlying melody that you that you kind of come up with a sound or do you like write the words how do you how do you go about the actual like writing of the songs yeah my process seems to be almost exclusively um melody and then lyrics first a lot of times i'll get one word I'll have a melody in my head that'll just pop in there or I'll like, I'll get it like through a dream or something and I'll wake up and then I'll have like the melody and then one word. Like uh, we have a song that we're uh, going to be recording in December called wait. 
and it's one of my favorites. It's so much fun. But wait was the word. That was the one word <laughs> that I had. And we built I built the entire song around that. And it's this and it's this song about um pretty much everything we've talked about, you know, uh burying those parts of yourself and those real emotions that you feel because you don't think that anybody cares and you yeah. don't really want to be a burden to anyone else or yourself because you don't really know how to deal with them either. Yeah. And so you just you just push it down and it's just about, you know, waiting for things to get better. And, you know, they never do because it's some kind of point that's not now. It's completely takes your focus out of the present moment yeah. and puts your hope some point in the future that doesn't exist. Yeah. So um, that's how a lot of our songs have been kind of coming at this point. That's so cool. Yeah, that uh, that concept of of just, you know, well, when I get this, I'll be happier when I, you know when I finally accomplish this, I'll be happier. But when you have a, a goalpost like that, you always keep pushing it further and further away. So I, uh, I think that's, that's super cool. I'm excited. You said that one drops in December. Uh, we're recording it in December. Okay. Um, we're going to be, we're recording like five drum. We're recording the drums at a separate studio. We're recording the, the drums at buzz lounge in December. Um, and then I'm going to be mixing and recording the rest of it myself. Um, I have like a studio set up in my basement. I have like this nice open floor area where we can set up where we have drums set up. And then I've got like a little monitoring room. You can do anything from home, man. It's only a couple thousand dollars. It's really yeah. not that bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like we did best day here almost entirely. So, and we did the wire here as well. And uh, so we're going to be doing pretty much all those songs so we can get them out just as fast as possible. Like every month every six weeks we can get another one out yeah and just keep keep the music coming yeah that's and i i mean that's uh that's another key to this world that we live in right is because of all of the access you got to keep pumping it out and uh i guess for uh, i'm a, the way that you say it it's you sound super excited about it does it ever seem daunting to keep up with that not really not really. It did for sure. Uh, Cause that's what kind of forced me into that epiphany moment in the first place was yeah. feeling like I had to be moving constantly. Like, you know, everybody else is doing this stuff. So if I'm not, you know, making our website better, if I'm not like posting on socials and I'm do not like posting on social media, or, like, <laughs> you know, if I'm not like building an email list or if I'm not doing all these business side things that were not the joy of the music, that is just the, the writing and the arranging and the recording is, the most fun to me and then being able to play it in front of people is the best. It doesn't matter if it's in front of one person or, you know, 300 people or hopefully one day, maybe thousands. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> just, that's the whole, that's the whole fun of it. And yeah. I realized I wasn't having fun with the thing that I've loved my entire life. Yeah. It was a chore and it was, it was just draining me to the point where I didn't want to do it anymore. And that was, I, once I realized I was at that place, I was shocked. To yeah. Even realized that I had gotten myself there purely by living like you, like you said, like setting goalposts and never reaching them because thinking that there's, you know, there's not enough space for everybody. You have yeah. to be constantly pushing forward and it took all the creative element entirely out of it. And I'm so glad that that, was such an eye-opening experience because I think for so many people, they don't get to have it. But for the people that do, I mean, it really does change at the entire way that you look at your entire life. Yeah. And I, I think kind of playing along with that is, is, you know, obviously you said, 
um, the music. It's something that, that you've, you've loved your whole life. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, there were a lot of things that led to, to you being a musician, but, but what, uh, I guess what kept you or what got you to this point of like, I'm actually pursuing being a musician. Like what was kind of that process that led to you saying, I, I want to be a musician for, for this, for like the rest of my life. I think I've always known it since I was like nine. I used to take piano lessons a lot and I just would, I would, I hated practicing things that existed already. I just wanted to write constantly. So yeah. I was always writing. Um, and you know, my dad's a musician. He's been playing guitar for like 30 years and he was in bands in and out of college and stuff like that. My yeah. mom's a really, a really talented piano player. She plays with about as much emotion as you've ever heard anybody play. That's awesome. And so I come from a musical family um, and that definitely played a part in it, but I just always knew that this was the only thing that really made me feel like I could express me, you know, and so many people feel that way, which I think is why music is such like this driving force for so many people and why so yeah. many people are artists because it's something intangible. I mean, you can hear it. Yeah. But it's, it's something deeper than that. It's something about the way that just projects your core and your essence of who you are. It's like a fingerprint of who you are that still has nothing entirely, nothing to do with you. Cause like once yeah. it's out, it's out. Yep. So it's, I mean, it's hard to describe and I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. No, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just the best thing ever. <laughs> so I, love, I love doing it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I wanted to do it and I'll always want to do it. Yeah. So were you like in bands and stuff in high school then or? No, actually. Uh, well, actually, I, in college, I was in a I was in a buddy's band that uh, was a like a pop very pop rock band, I mean, like, <laughs> like Disney pop. And I was in that for about like a month because then I went to college. <laughs> Yeah, like like oh, poppier man. <laughs> Think about like the sweetest bubblegum you could chew, Mika, and then like dump sugar on top of it. It was that. <laughs> did you and, ever uh, did you ever listen to Mika? No. Oh, check out Mika. That I'm, sounds like it might be pretty close to what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down. M I K A. He's uh, I he was so much. He's so much fun to listen to, but he's he's very. Uh, very strange as a good, as a term that I would use. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who it is. Uh, my buddy just showed me. She's really strange. She has an album. I forget her name, but uh, the music is so good. But the whole thing is like themed around a hospital or like a school, school uh, bus, something like that. Interesting. And she has like the sounds of like, uh, like there's one song. I think called hospital or something like that. And there's like samples of people like coughing, and like interesting being sick in throughout the whole thing. But there's like this sick beat and like a great melody and her voice is just gorgeous. Wow. And it's the most, it's so interesting. And I, and I feel like there's more and more music like that where it's just in weird, but it's awesome. Yeah. People are just experimenting and like doing concept music and now, and it's like, it's just so different. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. So you're in this crazy, crazy bubblegum poppy pop band and, uh, and what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so I was only in it for about a month cause that was like right when I left for college uh -huh. and they were like, well, we, you know, we're going to need you to like come back every weekend and practice like a couple times during the week. And I was like, I live three hours away now. So I guess I'm out of the band. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that band didn't, they, they didn't stick together very long. Um, 
but that was really the only band that I was in before Taller Tales. Wow. That's not very common. No, I always wanted to be in a band. I always wanted to have a band and it just never came. It just never happened. So I did some solo stuff. I did, you know, a ton of open mics and I just kind of worked on my worked on writing and I worked on playing and just, you know, practicing and getting better, but just really just having fun with it as much as I could. But I, I, I always ached for it. I always wanted to play with other people. I, I like playing by myself, but I love playing with other people way more. Yeah. Well, there's and like so, a fun energy that comes from, from like jamming out. Definitely. Yeah. And it's irreplaceable and it brings out so much more of your ability because you're challenged in ways that you never would be otherwise. Oh yeah. So uh, when this kind of fell into place, it was just serendipity meeting Dylan and meeting Matt the way that we did was, you know, completely by chance and completely happenstance. And it ended up being, you know, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And um, I love everything that we've been able to do together. That's super awesome. So uh, so did you go to like in college, did you study like production of music or like anything related to music? Oh, no, I went with the dumbest major ever when I got there I was a psych major music minor to start and I was like I'm gonna do music therapy because I had no idea what I wanted to do (laughs) yeah and like everyone who goes into college yeah I mean I found out pretty quickly that that if I wanted to like survive financially that that was not what I was going to get a PhD (laughs) yeah so I was like okay let me let me really narrow this down so I became a communications major. So also okay. still not making a ton of money. <laughs> so, uh, but I was going to go into like advertising or something like that, but then, you know, ended up hating that too. So I, I pretty much have just been doing jobs where I can make time for music since college, you know, yeah. I was a personal trainer for a while. I do some real estate on the side, but mostly I just full time do music now. That's awesome. And man. I love it. That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, dude. It's, it's the, the big thing is always the, the balance, right? There's, there's so much, you, you obviously have to, to pay your bills and eat food, but, uh, it's, and it's I a matter have it of easy, man. I have it easy because I have a, I have a, a, a wife who is amazing and super smart and works for a big company and loves Excel because she's weird because who loves excel i love excel loves excel well you know you guys should talk sometime about (laughs) cells because i don't understand any of the formulas but she loves it and she gives me the freedom to be able to do these things and you know just kind of bring in what i can but also like have the time to be creative that's because she knows what that means to me yeah and she gets the fulfillment that she wants out of her job it's and it's such a unique situation and i have it so easy compared to so many other artists that have to work you know so many full-time jobs and try to write on the side from there but they're really the ones that are impressive because they're making it work despite all of those circumstances yeah and that's, that's really like, I mean, honestly, you, you definitely, you, you hit it on the head. You're definitely fortunate. I think that's awesome. And, and honestly, it's like, Hey, huge shout out to your wife, because obviously now, you know, it's teamwork. Like I've been, I've been married seven years now and, uh, and it's all about like, you know, understanding what each person's passionate about and making it, you know, sacrificing to help the other. And I think that's super cool that you were able to, to get that, that worked out. And I think that's, I mean, it helps right now you're now you're able to continue pursuing your passion and actually turn it into a career too which is something that a lot of musicians can't say either you know yeah i mean i'm incredibly grateful for it and ever since 
that epiphany moment of kind of coming to the now. I mean, so many like little coincidences have happened too to make things even easier. Whereas I was stressing so much about the business side of things. As soon as I let that go, we were approached by a PR company and a manager to represent us for like not much. Yeah. And the results have been great for that. We've got we got the we got bloodlines reviewed in um on a top ten list of like songs to keep on your radar on, on alternative press. That's awesome. This company and our managers like getting us you know, gigs to make money and like getting us like we, he just got us a support gig for fame on fire at um, a venue in college park this coming Thursday. Nice and, man. Know, opening up for a national band. So that's awesome. And it's like all these things that just kind of started falling into place as soon as I let go of the expectation and the need to control them all. Yeah. Which, you know, who knew? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, honestly, dude, it's, it's funny. I've, I've got like, uh, I mean, if you if you ever want to listen to some audiobooks, it's funny because you've you've hit on so many topics of audiobooks that I've I've just constantly love reading and I've I've reread a lot of them because uh, I love that. Yeah. Any yeah. recommendations would be awesome. Yeah. Because honestly, when you said, you know, when you let go, of the expectation is when things started working. There's a, there's a book by a guy named Gary John Bishop. It's unexpletive yourself. Right. It's uh, unf yourself. And uh, and he he just literally talks about how we we keep ourselves unhappy by expecting things from other people and expecting things from the world that just if you stop expecting it you just go out and live your life things work out better and you're just you're just uh, kind of preaching about that it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean unmet expectations is literally the biggest cause of trauma for anything yeah and you can trace it to anything from you know, hey, I wanted this record to do better or like, hey, you know, I wanted more people at the show on the music side of things or, hey, I wish we had more money to pay for this and this to, you know, well, anybody in any kind of career field, you know, I wish that I had, you know, this promotion or I wish I had this or I wish that, you know, my wife or my girlfriend would do this and this. Unmet expectations is like the number one cause of trauma and it's completely self-inflicted. It's the exactly. most, like insane self-inflicted disease of all time. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing how, how big of enemies we are to ourselves by just thinking sometimes. <laughs> I know. And as somebody that was completely guilty of it, sometimes you don't realize that until you've just kind of made yourself suffer so much that you don't, you, you just have, you reach a breaking point. Either it's going to consume you entirely or you're going to break the shell of it. Yeah. And, and that plays with what you were saying, right? Like until yeah. you hit that trauma, until that trauma actually is, is significant enough to move you. Right. Cause that's the other problem is, is getting kicked in the butt doesn't really help. It's when you get kicked in the butt and you fall on your face. That's when you yeah, realize you, you got kicked, kicked in the face. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you realize, Oh, I'm getting beat up. I should probably get up and either run or fight. Right. But it's, it takes a lot to, uh, to actually get you to this realization. Oh my gosh, I just put myself in this situation and I'm the only one to blame most of the yeah, time. Yeah, And so many times it's your own, almost exclusively, it's your own foot doing the kicking. Exactly. And you don't even yep. realize it. You're exactly. Like, How the fuck did this happen? <laughs> exactly. It's been just, doing this. It's nuts, man. It's just, it's crazy how, how inconvenient we can be for, for our own potential. And I think it's awesome that, that you were able to, cause, cause another big, big thing that, uh, that I think you're super blessed with is, is the fact that 
not only do you have a wife who's supporting you and, and making it possible for you to write this music, but you're also, you've also had that epiphany where most people don't actually get to experience that, that, that realization moment, that light bulb moment of I'm unhappy. I can change it. And most people don't ever get that moment. They, 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 they get the moment I'm unhappy, but they don't get that realization that I can actually do something about it. So like, you're like double blessed, right? Like you can, you did something about it. And now you have someone who's willing to support you because you did something about it. And I think that's super awesome. I've noticed that it's becoming increasingly more common too. I've had a lot of uh, conversations with people about this completely out of the blue since it happened, like unprompted, like again, yeah. one of those weird coincidences where, you know, even talking to you right now, I had no idea that, you know, you were so, a lot of people are still shut down to this, this idea of things yeah, and this idea of thinking um, that's kind of like non thinking. You're just kind of taking your thought and your, your thought process out of it and just kind of allowing things to be. But yep. I've had, you know, numerous conversations with people about it since then. And it really seems like it's on the rise. There's some kind of like global conscious awareness of that. And I mean, it can only mean good things for the creativity, like across the board. Oh yeah. And even, I mean, even just in, in human interaction, it makes it so much easier when you, when you don't like envy someone or you don't like judge based upon like your own insecurities, when you stop judging based on those things and you stop comparing all the time, you become a much nicer person to deal with too. <laughs> you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually, I mean, honestly, like I agree. It's, it's, it's definitely as it grows and as it kind of snowballs into the lives of more people, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be really cool to see what happens with music and art and, and books and just in business, I think business will benefit benefit from it bigger than I think almost any of them because of a lot of the the ways that businesses operate could really benefit from that type of stuff. So that's uh, that's that's obviously a topic for for other time. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole of that for hours. I know, right? I I yeah, I I can go down rabbit holes. My wife, she's like, some sometimes you just talk. And I'm like, I know, I know I do. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to have to talk off the air, man. Cause you and I could probably have some conversations. I know it dude. Yeah, for sure. I'm cause for me, this stuff, this stuff is what I'm passionate about. Like, it's just absolutely enjoyable to like, to talk about the psychology or the mindset of things. Cause it's, it's a, it's a, it's like you said, a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let me flip the interview on you. How did you get started doing this podcast? Like what prompted you to want to, like dive into this like avenue. So there were, there were two audiobooks that I read, uh, listened to, I say read it technically is reading, but I, I listen to my books. I don't really read. I count it. I count uh, it. Cause I mean, I'm driving and I'm working out. I'm not going to actually read, but, uh, um, but the first one that I read was crush it by Gary Vaynerchuk. And he talks about basically following your passion and, and, you know, if you actually are passionate about something and you truly love what you're doing, eventually even if even if it doesn't take off eventually it's it's going to be worthwhile right he's like even if even if very few people are listening to it and he always related it back at the time i think that i don't remember when the book was written but it was written just bef just after like pokemon go was like a huge huge thing he's like imagine if you just had a blog where you just wrote about pokemon once a week and pokemon go comes out and then 
like all of these major outlets are reaching out to you because they want to understand the craze. He's like, that's what the world is. That's how karma works. That's how, that's how the life operates. Right. Um, and then the second book that I read was called the five second rule by Mel Robbins. And that one was basically stop getting in your own way. When you have a thought, when you have a kind of a, an inspiration to do something, you go five, four, three, two, one, get up and go do it. And, uh, and so between those two things, it gave me a kick in the pants and I was like, you know what? I love music. I don't think that I'm going to make music, but, uh, I think that being involved with music is what I want to be doing. And so I started a podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. And I mean, you have such a natural talent for it too. Thank you. Know, you. Not just to, not just to like, you know, plug away at you, but <laughs> You know, you ask really good questions. You sound, you're completely comfortable with it. You can tell that it's something that you enjoy doing. And I know that people who are listening can recognize that as well. And Thank I mean, you. that's the authenticity that we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And, and nice thing for me is, I mean, this is, this is literally just a passion project, right? There's zero money, zero idea of even caring about making money with it. So what the glamorous life of podcasting, not very lucrative. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Making, <laughs> making a, uh, you know, a whole negative actually. Cause you know, I buy equipment and you don't know, make money back from that. So, <laughs> but <laughs> honestly it's, it's, it's been like some of the coolest experiences. Cause like I, I get to talk to awesome musicians like yourself who, who are like living their passion, which is all super exciting for me. But then like I've gotten to to interview some people who I really looked up to in terms of music and it's just been it's been super dope. It's probably like one of the coolest things that I could have done with like a free time type hobby, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's so exciting. That's yeah. gotta be so much fun to be able oh, to do that. It really day. is. It really is, man. But uh I I'm gonna I'm gonna let you know. I always love to end these in like just kind of a random way. So I uh um I want to, I want to kind of transition to our, our finish off here, if that's all right. I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, like I said, it's, it, I like to ask random questions at the end, just cause it, it, we, you obviously, we got to meet a lot more about, you know, you as a person and, and about like your, your lifestyle in terms of, of how you look at life. But we're going to jump into the, the more surface level type things about you. <laughs> Oh, get, get the entire surface. Let's do it. <laughs> so first question is what is your favorite food? Favorite food, sushi easily. Sushi. Okay. Yeah. Is there like a, uh, a go-to menu item in terms of like type of sushi? I'm going to shout out an actual place. Sushi Q2. There's like 10 of them somehow. Sushi Q2. <laughs> in Owings Mills in Maryland is by far and away the best sushi that my wife and I've ever had, including uh, being out in California and like sushi from actually better sushi than I had in Maui on our honeymoon. Wow. They just do something right. And anything off their menu is awesome. And we probably <laughs> spent like $3,000 there in the last like four years. Hey, when you, when you love it, you love it, man. I yeah. uh, see, I, I've been judged a lot. And you're going to judge me right now because I do not like seafood like at all. And uh, and so I've I've tried. I've tried at least you can at least give me credit for trying when I hate yeah, seafood. Absolutely. But uh, that's awesome, man. So are, are you like a wasabi? Or are you like a soy sauce or a ginger? What do you do? All the above? All of it. Okay. All of it. All of it. If it's nice. in front of me, I'm eating it. 
I love it. It's a good it. thing that I work out because if I didn't, I'd be probably three, 400 pounds from the amount of food that I eat. Yeah. Actually, really quick, just jumping onto that. Um, working out was another big thing that motivated me to start the podcast too. It was kind of a keystone habit that kind of motivated me to actually start doing more than just like sitting on YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's true, man. Working out makes a difference. It uh, I mean, I, I eat crap sometimes and I'm like, thank goodness I go to the gym in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's definitely helps with the productivity for sure. Yeah, because you get to like release all that like pent up energy yep. too. Yeah. I mean, it can just as easily become a vanity thing too, but <laughs> if you're being mindful of that and you use it as like the release, it's so helpful. I've had writer's block countless times and then just been in the gym and it just pops and I get something that I'll just go home and start writing. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I didn't realize like how awesome the gym is because I mean, until I, it was, it was about, uh, almost two years ago now that I started going uh, daily and it was just life changing. It's been fantastic ever since. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many ways to stay in shape too. I mean, even if you just walk a half an hour a day, like that activates your lymph system and you can yeah. flush so much toxins out just from walking a half hour a day. Like you don't have to go in and just like, you know, destroy your body, like throwing weights around too, which I think a lot of people think that if I'm going to the gym, like I have to be doing yeah, like and heavy weights. And that was the big thing too, was like getting rid of that con- misconception of like, Oh, I've got to be putting up a lot of weight. Cause I was like, nah, I'm, 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 you know, like I'm doing, I'm doing average weight, like a plate on either side for my bench press, but like 25 when I'm doing like shoulder press, right? Like 25s on either side. Right. It's like, but it, the big thing for me was I'm doing four sets of 12. So it's like, I'm, I'm yeah, just burning it out. Yeah. And man, it's, it's game changing. So actually to, to kind of um, jump into this one, I uh, it's the exact opposite of working out. What's your favorite junk food? <laughs> Ooh, junk food. Oh man, I don't know. I don't eat a ton of junk food. Man, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> my wife, is, my wife is like my wife is awesome. She's the best. She makes these delicious like organic meals for us. And like right now I've got like chickpea taquitos just hanging out upstairs for when we get done on this, this, uh, this interview. Yeah. And then, so we don't, I I would say this, I love frozen yogurt. Okay. (laughs) So when we get the chance, like every now and again, I'll just be like, let's just go to, let's just go get Froyo. And it's really just an excuse to eat candy. It's just an excuse to like throw M&Ms and Reese's. A ton of toppings. Just like a bunch of dairy and be like, oh, well, you know, it's just one time. Yeah, exactly. It's just one time. But it weighs like four pounds and it costs like 20 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I guess that means that you, you don't agree with Ron Swanson. Uh, I don't know if you watch Parks and Rec at all, but he's like, yeah, probably three times through. Yeah. Froyo. It's like, it's like the identity crisis of ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is it is have you ever watched the good place uh my wife loves that show i haven't watched it i uh i've the seen enti- like an episode but yeah like the entire all of their places in heaven are just frozen yogurt places oh really that's awesome yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my wife that's one of her favorite shows she's obsessed with that show i don't i don't yeah. really watch a whole lot of tv to to be honest i typically am watching movies youtube or playing video games so <laughs> What's your game of choice right now? Oh, right now it's Rainbow Six Siege and uh, 
well, there's, I have two groups of friends I play with, right? So one group of friends is Rainbow Six Siege. And then I play with my brother-in-law and he and I play uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, or not Wildlands, it's uh, Breakpoint now is the new one. So, <laughs> Oh, they already have a new one? Yeah, it was, so Wildlands came out in what, 2017 or something like that. And then uh, Breakpoint just barely came out about a month ago, something like that. So I've yeah, been, that's awesome. I saw that they remade uh, Modern Warfare too. Yeah. And I am... I don't buy a whole lot of the Call of Duty. Like, I'm not a big Call of Duty guy since Modern Warfare, but Modern Warfare was so good. Yeah. I, feel I mean, like I have to. This new one, like, literally, while I was getting everything set up on my computer for, for the interview today, I was watching a stream of Modern Warfare. So, I, uh, there's always a, my, my wife gives me a hard time because before we got married, I literally never played games. But our first Christmas together, <laughs> she bought me an Xbox 360. And on her, man. it was on her, right? Like, and yeah, that was when Black Ops two came out. And so mm, it was, it was basically, yeah, it was basically just like downhill from there. I became addicted real fast. <laughs> Black, Ops, Black Ops two was uh, the first uh, or the second zombies, right? That was like yep. a good zombie. Yeah. Ball. That was like the gold standard of zombies. I just remember being snowed in like years ago at my buddy's house. Like we got snowed in for a weekend and we just had like a bottle of bourbon and me, him and his brother just played zombies pretty much <laughs> nonstop around the clock, drinking bourbon. And it was one of the most fun weekends I think I've ever had. Just snowed in and playing COD, man. <laughs> yeah. That game was a classic. Yeah. It, I mean, I still like I, I still am obsessed with that game. If people weren't hacking on it, I because like Xbox One did like their backwards compatibility. And so like it's backwards compatible. You can like literally put it in and play it right now. But uh, people like hacked it and it's not as good anymore because of it. But that's a bummer. Yeah, it's still such a great game. All right. Another another random question. What is the best concert you've ever been to? Or maybe not best, but your favorite, because I know some concerts really suck, but you had a lot of fun there. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to give you both. The best concert I ever went to was Foo Fighters. Oh, I bet. Fenway Park. I bet. Oh, Uh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, there's a reason that they're the biggest rock band in the world. Yeah, for sure. Because they're fucking nuts. He's all over that stage like a madman. I mean, when I'm on stage, like getting into it, I feel like I can't, I can barely hold my guitar. And he's just screaming up and down like this runway. Just, just He's insane, it. man. He's insane. He's one of the, he's just an incredible artist. Um, the That was probably the best concert I've ever been to. The one that I enjoyed or the, the one that I loved the most was uh seeing John Mayer in Baltimore. Oh man. Because I'd I'd been a huge John Mayer fan. His guitar playing is literally like, you know, it's some of the most authentic authentic. It's yeah. incredible. Oh, it brings yeah. out every time I can always you always know when it's him. He's just one of those players where you always know when it's him. He's just got that bluesy riffing sound to it. And I mean dude he, getting to watch him amazing. play live was like a transcendent experience i bet I didn't oh clap. my gosh i sat and i just, just stared the entire time <laughs> and everybody's like ah and i'm just sitting there watching the whole time just like cheesing it um that was a gift from my wife so that's that's another added dimension of yeah. greatness because she's known how much how long i've loved his music yeah he's he's on my bucket list i've missed his concert three times i there was like three different opportunities i tried to make it and something came up each time and uh like obviously he's played way more than that but three times that i like planned and like yeah was ready to go and i was and i'm just like he's still on my bucket list because 
I would I I would do exactly what you did and just sit there in awe of of how crazy he is on the guitar. <laughs> it's insane. It's it's insane because it's a completely different kind of show because his musicianship is the show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean It's not like a spectacle. Yeah. Where there's like a bunch of lights and a bunch of sh- happening. It's just the music is that good. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Just that good. I've it's it's amazing, man. But uh honestly, I that that kind of wraps things up for me, man. I uh I really appreciate your time. I Yeah, I that appreciate was a it lot too, man. of fun. And uh you be sure to go enjoy those uh chickpea taquitos that your wife made for oh, you. Oh yeah. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. There's like six of them with my name on it. Heck yeah, um, dude. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love this. I really appreciate you taking the time to like to have me on and to talk about the record and kind of get in the weeds about pretty much everything. Yeah, I mean honestly, dude, the record's great. I uh I didn't get to say that. I really enjoyed the EP. Uh my favorite song is The River. Um I just think that it it's just like to me musically the most enjoyable for me because i just there's something about that you know kind of the softer a little bit more a little bit more melody driven songs that i i just am a big fan of and the river the river seems to to you know i've i've listened to the ep about four times since uh since james reached out to me so i wanted to make sure that That's i had awesome. listened to it and uh, i want you to know it was awesome and i'm super stoked for all the new music that you're talking to because uh, that's gonna be super dope I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, I'm excited to put it all out, too. It's funny because The River was a song that we had like four different incarnations of. And it was the one that I was the least confident of putting on the record. Oh, really? And we've been getting so many responses of like, yeah, I can love The River. Like, The River is so jammy. And I'm like, really? I sound like a British guy in the chorus. <laughs> yeah, kind of do. But I honestly, I just I just thought it was such a cool song. I just like like I said, though, the whole album was was super rad. But I think The River was just kind of the one that I enjoyed the most. But uh, it's super high energy. Yeah, it, like, it's a lot of fun to play live. Yeah, like the the funny thing is like in terms of in terms of where it comes from, it goes from lay down and die to the river. And it's like it's like almost night and day, the change between the two. And so that was yeah. kind of what stood out to me. And so maybe when I say, you know, the more melodic, it was it was very different, I guess, from lay down and die, because I uh, every time I listen, I'm just like I listen to the others and then the, the river comes. I'm like, yeah, this is this is the one that I that I'm. I'm jamming my favorite. <laughs> so, and I love that. I love, I love putting a record together like that because all the songs are so different from each other. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a, like a traditional cohesive album. It's just like pretty much a collection of singles and you can get what you want out of it. And if you want nothing out of it, then you get nothing out of it. Yeah, if, for sure. You know, There's something <laughs> for everybody in it. And you know, that's why it was a lot of fun to kind of put all those together in California. Yeah, but that's cool, man. But, uh, but anyway, anything else you want to say? Before we uh, we call it a do, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm definitely going to get that list of books from you. Oh yeah, and, dude. You know, I'd love to have a conversation off the air about this stuff because it's yeah. been a lot of fun. And I, I really appreciated it. I definitely will. I I'm I actually have some coworkers. They're like, I need you to send me that list because I people are you know people talk to me and they'll ask me a question and be like, well, let me tell you what so and so says about this because I'll just start <laughs> and I can just I my my wife is like. She she's recently started getting into the audiobooks and so it's been kind of game changing for me because now I can talk to her and she's actually like engaged in the conversation about this and it's been really nice because before it was like, oh boy, the audiobooks again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like I I mean, as you can tell, I, I I love it and I'm passionate about it and I can talk about it a lot. So she gets a little bit of an earful. <laughs> yeah, well, never stop, man. Never stop. <laughs> Good deal, bro. Have a great night. You too.